My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and to this end, we're joined on the programme today by Simon Iredale, an experienced entrepreneur with his own mentoring and consulting company, Simon Iredale Limited. Um, Simon, a very warm welcome to yourself and by all means, thank you for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure, Simon. And uh, I've obviously given a very brief overview there for the listeners as to kind of what it is that you do now providing sort of mentoring and consulting services. But you've enjoyed sort of quite the distinguished career before that, haven't you? So um, could you just tell us a little bit more about kind of that journey from sort of industry to moving into the uh, the consulting side and what kind of made you feel like going into business for yourself in that sense was going to be the way for you? Well, I suppose I've um, I've always been, um, I didn't know the term entrepreneur at the time, so mm. I was in my sort of 20s, but uh, it became very clear to me at a young age that um, I wasn't, I, should have, I didn't have the personality to, to have a boss, um, should we say. So, um, or, and, and I worked with a couple of companies in the very early days um, that didn't understand anything to do with culture or people. Or, or anything to do with how to get the best out of a human being. Uh, it was just pretty much, um, uh, you know, sort of treated with an iron fist, shall we say. Mm. Uh, I did work um, in back in the day, back for an agency, uh, for an agency down in in London. Um, I, I I I basically have spent my entire life in the field of uh, marketing, web graphic, um, advertising, starting well before the internet. Mm. Um, where we were working, uh, doing traditional based advertising, sort of newspapers and magazines and TV and radio. Uh, and then back in 1998, heard about this thing called the internet. Um, I just happened to be working in London at the time. Um, and went to the boss of the business and said, we need to get on this thing called the internet. So I uh, built my first website back then. Um, and then went to work for a really lovely agency. Um, we just landed the contract for the first EasyJet website. So we built the first EasyJet website, and went to build the first Tesco's e-commerce site, worked on uh, Sainsbury's reward scheme, uh, World Pipex, um, and then quite a lot in the music industry. Um, became um, head of digital for Sony Music Europe. So spent a bit of time working with acts like Oasis and Travis and Muse, um, and then decided to start my own business. Um, and I... Uh, I basically started a, a digital agency back in the early 2000s, um, just on the outskirts of London, uh, and we did particularly well. Uh, we had Victoria Beckham, of all of all people, as one of our clients, um, uh, Beckingham Palace's website. Um, did a lot of work in the music industry because I was very much into the music industry side of things. Yeah. Still am, a, a, still a singer songwriter in my uh, in my uh, spare time when I get when I get a chance to write a few songs, um, <clears throat> and then basically decided to return back up to Lancashire and sold sold my shares in the agency. Uh, came back up north and spent a year deciding what to do. Uh, and that was uh, that was nearly 20 years ago now. Um, I had plans to create a, a golf brand. I was going to start the record label. <coughs> um, I had all sorts of ideas close in my head. Uh, but as is natural, I guess, um, I just started doing marketing and branding and design work for people um, and then 
it just so happened that I took on a, a member of staff. Um, even though I said I never have staff anymore, I guess I'd sort of done that that uh, process. Mm. Um, I ended up with one of the largest agencies in the northwest of England. We were fifty odd, uh, team of fifty odd people. Um, we covered web development, uh, app development, um, digital marketing, forensic digital marketing, brand design, um, SEO. The, the whole gamut, really. So we're an integrated agency, and we, we were, like I say, we were one of the largest in the northwest. Um, ran that for eighteen very very successful years, and then sold to um, um, a lady over in Portugal, of all things. Um, and then I just decided, again, for a couple of years, deciding what to do with my life. Um, and I just get asked from people to help them solve their business problems. And it's something I really enjoy doing. I just um, work in my own time and my own freedom, I guess. And um, and, and, and I, I have opportunities where I own um, several other companies. Um, I have a, an app business that does mobile phone games. Mm. Um, I have investments in a um, in a furniture business of all things, um, and I also have a couple of interests in some uh, small agencies as well. Uh, but yeah, so so that's it. That's what I pretty much do. I spend my life uh, helping businesses grow and helping them solve problems to, for them being more successful. Yeah, and um, obviously since you've kind of transitioned from sort of running your own businesses to sort of helping others who are building businesses of their own to kind of solve some of those common issues, let's say, um, what are some of the, uh, the, the the classic things, let's say, if, if there indeed there are any, that young entrepreneurs kind of trip over when it comes to starting their own business? So what are the, what are the common things that you find yourself having to deal with? Um, the, the majority of the time... For me, marketing comes marketing, brand design. The whole the whole gamut of communication comes under sort of two areas really. You have your sort of technical elements. So, so you would employ somebody to do your paid advertising campaigns or your search engine optimization or make sure your website works correctly. All those kind of things, which are, which you need to have, obviously. But the one thing that I find probably most of all in it tends to be in the smaller SME space is that people don't focus enough on the brand story, the mm. brand strategy, the brand story, the turning yourself into a red apple in a box of green apples. Um, and that's understandable because people see business very much as a kind of, right, well, we make widgets and we sell widgets to these people over here. The problem with that is there's a lot of other people selling widgets to those people over there as well. So then it becomes a, a race of what can we do different to everybody else and it tends to become a price, price point uh, which then tends to be a race to the bottom because everybody's discounting. Um, and, and, and realistically, if in, in my experience working with hundreds and hundreds of brands and entrepreneurs and small businesses and even global global companies, the, the thing that really makes the difference uh, is that very, very compelling, engaging brand strategy, the wrapper that fits around it. And moreover, in the world that we live in today, where it's an incredibly busy world that we live in, lots of people saying lots of things on all different channels, the more disruptive you can be and the more um, unique you can be in your message and your proposition and your offering, that's, um, that's one of the biggest challenges. Uh, but secondly, um, it's, it's definitely down to people. You know, people are a business and 
Um, my opinion has always been always employ people that are better than yourself. Mm. Because, you know, because all, all I can do is steer the ship. Um, when I run my, when my, run my agency, I had a business partner, and, and all we really do was steer the ship. Yes, I would advise and help, but uh, we just in, ensured that we employed brilliant people that did brilliant things for us. So we were brilliant. <laughs> it was as simple as that, really. Yeah, it certainly uh, certainly makes sense uh, from my perspective, and I think you are right when it comes to team building. I think you do need to essentially bring in people who complement your skill set by having the skill sets that you don't have. Because when it comes to leadership, I mean, we're moved away, how aren't we, from the kind of like the command and control style of approach, and it's about sort of those around you asking you the challenging questions as well as obviously you doing it the other way around as well because it isn't just the one at the top that asks questions of those around them anymore they obviously leaders do need to be challenged in the business sense absolutely yeah and i, and I would always always say that to my, my team and always wel- welcome that i remember a conversation that I had and uh, it was the reason why i'm bringing this conversation up is because yeah. uh, the girl in question actually came up to me and said that was the most powerful thing anybody's ever said to me in my business career and I thought that was very nice and very humbling uh, and, and basically when, when I interviewed um, the, the girl in question um, I said look there's, there's very little hierarchy in this business so even though we have 58 staff um, I don't even like using the word staff but a team member 58 team members um, everybody is just part of an engine so whilst my job title may well be CEO and yours may well be marketing executive or whatever the job title was at the time, I said, effectively, we're all just parts of the engine. And if you take out the spark plug out of an engine, no matter how small that spark plug is in the engine, mm. the engine doesn't run, run effectively. Um, so you're just as important as me in this business. So therefore, uh, you know, I'm, I'm allowed to challenge you and you're allowed to challenge me. And um, and that's how I run the business, really, too, very much as an engine of, like a football team I'm not a massive football fan but just like a football team if somebody on the football team isn't doing their job it's very visible um, to the rest of the to the rest of the team and to the outcome of the game Exactly right. Everybody has to be pulling in the same direction, and you are right. I mean, we are all essentially parts, no matter where we are in the hierarchy of the business, in the wider engine, as you uh, as you talk about. Um, and I just wanted to kind of take the conversation back as well, Simon, to something you mentioned earlier as well about where sort of businesses struggle when there isn't that compelling brand story there. And I just want to tie that into something that's become certainly a lot more relevant since the pandemic, and that is brand story in the terms of the purpose of the business, because consumer habits are starting to change aren't they and uh, consumers are a lot more concerned now about the purpose of business things like corporate social responsibility esg because of the pandemic because we're a lot more conscious now of the impact that we're having on the planet so when you talk about sort of constructing a compelling brand story is that sense of purpose and that sense of social responsibility also an important part of putting that together oh I'm going to be guarded on this question because I I run a, a sustainable um, I also own a sustainable business so we so we have a um, a business called Aprana now mm. Aprana is a business that sells 
handmade artisan sustainable soaps and candles and and um, incense and everything for the wellness journey basically um, and that um, that is very much the business that I wanted to build and run because I'm very much into into the world of sustainability uh-huh. um, we're part of one tribe so every purchase that you purchase for our business uh, you know protects part of the rainforest um, and and that was very the reason why we started that business was because we were we realized ourselves that we were buying products that were shipped thousands and thousands of miles and contained fragrances that were made in huge factories. And we didn't even realize, because of the way that the marketing engine, ironically, wrapped up these products um, to look sustainable, even though they weren't. So our reason to enter for the business is sustainability first, and then if people buy the products, and so that's our message, it is a sustainable business. So we're trying to be as sustainable as possible, and, and it's very much our reason data for that entire business. And if people buy the products, that's great, and the, and the business makes money off the back of that. But our primary why, our time is the next why, if you like, our primary why is to ensure people choose better when it comes to buying products for their wellness journey. Now, I also... Um, fully understand and I've worked with many, many um, manufacturing companies where as much as they want to try to be sustainable, you know, they're, they're delivering products. And there's a lot of people in this world that are struggling with cost of living and they just need to get the cheapest version of what they can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that is a real tricky balance, you know, because we have a situation here where you know, people are going out there and they're having to buy from pound shops and they're having to buy, you know, I don't know, let's say they want to buy a candle, going back to my other business, let's say they want to buy a scented candle for their house and they can see it for one pound in a pound shop, yet the candles on my site might be 15, 16 pound. And so, so there is a real delicate balance here. Yes, I hope everybody is trying to be a bit more aware and a bit more conscious about sustainability and the planet and everything else because that is very much um, deep in my heart of, of, of business. But I'm also fully aware that people nowadays, as they are suffering very, very difficult uh, living conditions, are probably going to be going out and buying cheaper you know, products that may be made with plastic and maybe made without any sort of conscious, um, uh, you know, sort of reason or story around it. Yeah, exactly right. And I think we're also sort of seeing that as well in kind of what's come out of government, aren't we, um, in terms of the energy um, strategy that uh, the new prime minister's brought in? Because um, obviously we need to kind of shore up energy security in the short term, given the urgency of the situation. But there's been a lot of talk about sort of more fracking and more licenses for North, sort of North Sea oil and gas exploration. So those that have sustainability in mind, I suppose the concern will be, I mean, yes, we do need to do this, but is it going to come at the detriment of, you know, the longer term goal, the net zero, the sustainability goals. So I guess that's kind of the delicate balance, as you say, that we need to get right, not just in terms of individual businesses, but kind of also at a national level as well, don't we? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't, well, as it happens, I live about five miles away from a very, very, very famous fracking site um, in Lancashire. Um, I, I live very, very close um, to Kirkham, which is where um, Quadrilla were drilling. Yeah. Um, and very much hear all the negative aspects of it. Um, but then on the flip side, I am very much for creating our own sustainable resources. And, you know, we have the Cumbria coal mine going on. 
and you know, and I am hoping, hoping, hoping that that never gets passed up, even though the coat is going to be used for melting steel. Uh, so we need to keep our own steel. So, but it's always the same. There's always both sides of an argument, isn't there? When you sort of have to leverage your own passion and belief to sort of sit on one side of the fence, because there's always an argument the other side of the fence. Says, well, if we don't make our own, if we don't create our own coat to make our own steel, uh, then we have to import it. So there's there's always this kind of balance. So yeah, so I I understand the fracking, I understand the fracking arguments. You know, from what I've heard, I don't particularly like it. But again, you know, I'm I'm always open to listening further. Um, but I, I I truly you know hope that we that we do do as much as we can for sustainable energy sustainable energy solutions. You know, I I play a lot of golf on the coast of the mm. northwest, uh, and it's very visible that out at sea there are hundreds and hundreds of wind farms, which is good. You know, because wind farms don't really destroy the, you know, the beautiful lake districts, for example, you know, with sticking loads of um, wind farms on there. They're out at sea, um, and this, and, and that's good to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with that. I think there's more that can be done with things like tidal technology, but I'm no expert. I'm just me just saying I, I, the more we can do keep our energy over here using sustainable solutions, um, I would definitely welcome yeah, absolutely. And I suppose from a business sense, I mean, you can only just sort of play the part that you're trying to play as well. Uh, so essentially, it's um, every single business trying to get the balance right in what are quite difficult circumstances. And uh, as we kind of look forward um, with regards to sort of the uh, the next 12 months, let's say, just to kind of put a timer on it. Um, if by this time next year, you know, we could sort of fast forward and not necessarily understand exactly what situation we were in, but looking ahead, Simon, um, what are some of your kind of priorities do you think going to be as you kind of help businesses with their journeys as they do try and get that balance right? I think the biggest challenge that the businesses are going to find um, for starters is, is the skill shortage, um, especially in the technology industry. In the, in the technology industry, it's very, very difficult at the minute trying to trying to find resources, so everybody is outsourcing. Um, this, this isn't a conversation for now because we're limited on time, but I, I, I personally believe, and so do a lot of my peers, that the whole education system is completely broken. You know, we're sending children to school dressed in ties, you know, obeying orders, standing in line, listening to bells, you know, and, and school teaches them things that they don't need to be taught. So people are coming, you know, kids coming out of school, Kids are having to be forced to go into college and to universities um, to maybe get some qualifications for something that that may well help a certain few people if they want to become bankers or lawyers or solicitors or something like that. But in the real world of entrepreneurialism and uh, and that kind of self you know self growth, um, I don't see any of that at all. So so, so for me, um, talent is is one very large uh, challenge. Secondly, obviously, is, is energy. You know, maybe working from home helps. You know, now I, I wouldn't have to have my 4,000 square foot building I used to have that used to cost tens of thousands of pounds a month to run because theoretically everybody could work from home. But even that, you know, in, in the world of an agency, it would, you know, that, that's still a challenge because people need to get together. We need to bounce ideas off each other. And there's nothing better than being face to face with people. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think 
for me personally, it's understanding the business challenges where where the businesses can make efficiencies, but not necessarily efficiencies that are going to be detrimental to the quality of the product and to the service, because um, the beating heart of business is trust and reputation. Now, I've always said this and I always will do. If you have great trust and you have good reputation, you'll have, you'll have a successful business because the trust and reputation lowers marketing costs, um, it increases um, referrals, and it increases uh, repeat purchase. So th- that in itself is, is, is a good thing to focus on. So I, I will be doing everything I possibly can for every business that I'm looking after to ensure that we are looking for efficiencies, but efficiencies in the right area that still maintain the trust and reputation with its customers. And an important mission it is as well, Simon, and I certainly do wish you all the luck in the world in sort of helping businesses sort of really kind of traverse this difficult pathway that we find ourselves on in what is quite a tough economic environment. And I'd certainly love to perhaps even catch up in a few months' time just to kind of see how it's all coming together and just sort of talk about then what the evolving challenges of business are and how you're looking to address those. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just just one other thing, just to add to the conversation. Uh, one thing that's very interesting. I'm looking after a, a vertical farming business as well, and mm. and and that and that's a wonderful, you know, it's a wonderful business, incredibly sustainable, and it's definitely the future of farming. Um, so to see all these new exciting companies coming out there and really challenging, you know, the the, the world that we're living today, the better. Absolutely fantastic. It's incredible, isn't it, uh, where we're sort of seeing some of these sustainable innovations and there's such incredible potential there. And I think that is credit to that real entrepreneurial spirit that we do have in this country and long indeed may that continue. Um, Simon, once yep. again, um, yeah, go on. No, I was going to say absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. And uh, Simon, yeah, thanks, of course, again for uh, taking the time to uh, to join us on the show today. I mean, it's been a real pleasure having you come on and talk about your business and what it's doing and some of the challenges that your clients are facing. So thanks ever so much uh, for that, because we couldn't, of course, do the work that we do here at the Leaders Council without the likes of yourselves coming and sharing those perspectives. So we are really grateful for that. And I'm sure the uh, the listeners also uh, share that sentiment as well and have thoroughly enjoyed listening. All right, Scott, thank you. Thank you for your time. It's been fantastic, and I do hope that everybody truly did enjoy listening to uh, Simon Ardale today from Simon Ardale Limited, talking about his career and uh, some of the challenges facing the businesses that he's worked with today. Um, just for anybody as well tuning into the programme, if you head your own organisation or run your own business, you too can apply to be on our show to share your perspective on the issues we've discussed today or any topical matter or issue via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Um, for now, and until next time, you've been tuning into this episode of the Leaders Council podcast with me, Scott Challoner, your host, and our guest today, Simon Rydale. Until next time all, please do take care and goodbye.